My name is Christopher Larson, founder and managing partner of Next Level Income and host of the Next Level Income show. And if you want to define your best life and have the courage to live it, you should be listening to the More Than Corporate podcast with my good friend, Amber Furman. Welcome to the More Than Corporate podcast, where we discuss finding fulfillment, defining success, and living your best life. There's no roadmap to success, no one-size-fits-all answer to fulfillment. I believe it requires us all to be vulnerable and authentic about what we want to accomplish and have the courage to step out of our comfort zone to chase our dreams. Keep listening to hear stories from inspiring people who make it their mission to live their best life every day. Welcome to another episode of the More Than Corporate Podcast. I am super excited to bring to you another guest that I met through the amazing PodMax community. Today, I have an interview with Christopher Larson. Chris is the founder and managing partner of Next Level Income, through which he helps investors become financially independent through education and investment opportunities. Chris has been investing in and managing real estate for over 20 years. While completing his degree in biochemical engineering, and MBA in finance at Virginia Tech, he bought his first single-family rental at age 21. During his subsequent career in the medical device industry, Chris expanded into development, private lending, buying distressed debt as well as commercial office and ultimately syndicating multifamily properties. He began syndicating deals in 2016 and has been actively involved in over $150 million of real estate acquisitions. In addition to real estate, Chris has invested in equities, oil and gas, and small business lending, as well as being active in Venture South, one of the nation's top 10 angel investing groups. Chris lives with his wife and two boys in Asheville, North Carolina where he loves spending time with them in the outdoors and enjoying the food and culture that the region has to offer. Chris and I dig into so many amazing topics from the way that sports played a role in his success all the way through to comparison and We talk about his book, Next Level Income, as well as some of the other opportunities that he has going on at this point as well. Really quickly, before we jump into this, this episode is brought to you by Success Development Solutions and the Define Your Life Mastermind. If you or someone you know has ever said the words, I'll be happy when, I just need to keep, insert whatever you think is going to make you happy here, losing weight, working hard, building my career, and then I'll be happy. If you've ever felt like you've done everything you're supposed to do, yet life isn't turning out the way you expected. If it seems like something is missing despite others telling you how successful you are, then the Define Your Life Mastermind is for you. The most powerful question anybody ever asked me is, what does success mean to you? And as I've explored this topic on my podcast and with my coaching clients, it's become clear that most people don't ask and answer this question enough. The Define Your Life Mastermind is designed to help you get clear on what success means, what a well-rounded life looks like, and what your best life feels like. Once you know that, you can build a business that fits into the life that you want and surround yourself with people who give you the courage to step out of your comfort zone to live this vision. If this sounds like something that you or someone you know needs in their life, head over to defineyourlife.morethancorporate.com for more information and to schedule a call to see if we're a good fit to work together. I'm super excited to connect with you and help you reach your goals. And without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into this interview with Chris. Chris, thank you so much for coming on the show with me. I really appreciate it. 
Amber, thanks for having me. Excited to be here today. I am so excited for this. So for those of you who are listening to this podcast, Chris and I have connected through an event called PodMax. And this is really a cool event where we get the opportunity to just interview people that I may not have ever connected with before and and meet other podcast hosts. And so I'm so excited for the opportunity because I love what you do, Chris. I've looked at your bio and, and read a little bit about you, and I just think it's amazing. So let's go ahead and jump back just a little bit, well, maybe a lot bit, and talk about what it was like for you growing up. Um, The age-old question, what did you think you wanted to be when you grew up? Yeah, so Amber, thank you again for having me on the show. I appreciate it. When I was younger, I was good at math, I was good at science, and I wanted to be a scientist. So I didn't didn't really know exactly what that was, but that was kind of a thing that you could do. I really enjoyed biology and, and learning about different things. And then as I got older, I really kind of found my own when I started racing bicycles. As a as an early teenager, I started racing when I was 14 years old. So at that point, I wanted to be a professional cyclist. And that was really, that was really my driving motivation for several years. Are we talking like pedal bikes or like motorbikes? Cause... Good question. Yeah. <laughs> a, a bicyclist. Yeah. So wow. I was... Um, and I started racing on the road and it was, it was interesting because I, I started racing right when there was kind of a second resurgence and American cycling, there was a, there was a, a big surge when Greg LeMond was winning the tour de France. And then when Lance Armstrong became a professional, which that that's a whole nother long story. And I actually got to train <laughs> with Lance. Um, what? That's amazing. Yeah, before he won the tour, but yeah, so I, I started racing like a couple of years before he kind of came to prominence. So I, I got to kind of ride that wave and it was, uh, it, it's, it's been a great sport and it's provided a lot, a lot through my life. So I'm interested, you know, we're going to dig into more about you, but this whole thing of like sports, I completely connect with. I am an obstacle course racer. And in 2017, I ran awesome. a 24 hour obstacle course race called World's Toughest Mutter. And I believe that the ability to dedicate yourself to a sport, to train, to push yourself through the pain and desire to quit, just transported so much into my business. Can you talk about the benefits of training and pushing yourself out of your comfort zone and just like refusing to quit and how that's impacted your professional life? Absolutely, Amber. I think it's been really, really formative. And when I look back at cycling, and actually if I look here, I have my training schedule right here next to me. And I'm, I'm a strategist. So when I look back at my career, when I look at my real estate investing, how it's evolved, it, it all kind of mirrors what I did with cycling. So cycling is about performance, but it's about achieving a specific performance at a specific time because you have to peak like any event or like any sport. But cycling is very specific because it's, it comes down. I mean, you look at the Tour de France, for instance, which most people are familiar with. It's a three-week race. And that race has been won by seconds, seconds. So we're not talking like a percent. We're talking about, you know, fractions of a percent. Over my life, you know, with sports, it taught me one, how to, how to learn and how to collect data and then take that data and apply it to my own personal situation with training. And that was a big thing. And that was kind of, I wasn't always the most talented um, cyclist out there, the most powerful, but I could really align my training and, and my events. And then what I found actually competing, as you were alluding to earlier, Amber, is that you really find that you're capable of so much more than you think you are. So when you're, you know, a, a young adult and 
you're riding 50, 100, 120 miles, and you think you can't go another inch, let alone a mile, and you continue on and on and on. It really makes you question what your upper boundaries are. And then the discipline that comes along, you know, that overlays both those with the training leading up to an event, and then the mental discipline that it takes when you're in an event and you, you're, you're hurting so much, but you can't give up. And one of the things I love, uh, I read this probably 25 years ago. It said, when you're hurting the most, that's when it's time to attack because the competition is hurting as well. And if you can push yourself at that time, you can, you can beat a lot of people. So there was so many times in a race where I thought, all right, I'm in a lot of pain. You know, I, I need to take a break right now. And boom, that's when I'd go. And I won a lot of races doing that. Yeah, I love it. So there's a couple of things that just came to my mind on what you were just saying. Um, we had a, a phrase in the obstacle course racing world um, that said, you don't finish on at the finish line, you finish on the course, and then you make it to the finish line. Mm-hmm. Um, and just this whole idea that like, when you cross the finish line, every, no matter how long your race is, every ounce of what you have should have been left on that. And then you make it to the finish line by some unknown ability. The other thing that came to my head that I think is really important, and I've never thought about this until you said what you just said, is, you know, we do these things, 24-hour races, you know, 150, 200-mile bike races, and everybody looks at you and says, you are insane, right? Like, how could you possibly (laughs) do these things? More than once, yes. And we say, because I love it, because, you know, whatever your answer is. But then we get into the business world, and somebody says, you can't do that. Um, This is impossible. And we listen. And I think that it's so interesting to think that what we go through in saying, I love this sport, I'm going to keep doing it regardless of how crazy you are, translates into, I love my business, I'm going to do it no matter how crazy you think I am. Absolutely. And that's, again, that's one of the things you learn, you, you know, whether you're training or you're in an event, you, you just said it, Amber, like you, you push and you think, all right, this isn't working. And you look around, you're like, well, I have, I have this plan. And I'm sticking to the plan, but I just don't feel like something's working. And, you know, it's, it's one thing that I learned early on was to chase results. But as I've gotten older and evolved, I, I don't really chase results anymore. I continue with the strategy and build habits and assume that the results will come because I learned a couple things. And one of the things that resonated with me um, in reading about you before the show is that I lost my father when I was young as well. And if uh, anyone in the audience is listening and this resonates and want to learn more about my story, I have a book that you can go on our website, nextlevelincome.com uh, and just click on the book link. You can get a free copy of the book and read more about my story. But the more impactful loss was the loss of my best friend. And you know, when I, when I lost him, it really it really pushed me back and made me question like, what, what was I chasing? And what I realized was I was winning all these events. I was winning races. This was about a year after uh, my friend Chris had passed away, but I wasn't happy. And when you chase something, and at that point it'd been six or seven years in my case that I was chasing the success and I got there and I wasn't happy. And I thought, well, what, what am I doing wrong? And that kind of began the evolution of me shifting from going after results to kind of following a process and, you know, really allowing me to achieve, you know, a different type of success, which was not as goal oriented. 
Yeah, I um, love that so much. And there's so much, I mean, you obviously know my story as do the listeners and there's so much that resonates with that for me Uh, because I tell people all the time that the most dangerous thing that can happen when you tie your idea of success to an external result is that you hit it because the moment you do and your life doesn't turn out the way that you thought it was, right? Like fairies don't take away your compartmentalization box that you've created throughout your life to get there. Um, All of a sudden you fall apart. So, so I love that so much. Let's talk a little bit about how you got from this idea of a scientist and wanting to like loving math and all this stuff to real estate investing. Cause I guess the math makes sense, but the science doesn't for me. So how did you make that jump? Yeah. That's a great question. Yeah. So when I, when I wanted to be a, a scientist, I think I enjoy, I enjoy learning. And what I found that I, I really enjoy is I love uh, taking data, interpreting the data or, or collecting the data and then developing a strategy around that. And that was really, you know, that was really kind of what, what I enjoyed when I was younger reading about different things. And I still enjoy it. I was just this morning, you know, reading about different demographic trends and um, as the world's unfolding here, as we hopefully come out of this COVID crisis with real estate and the engineering, it's math. So like you said, looking at a property's numbers, trying to figure out what makes financial sense, that, that's just math. Um, but when it comes to you know, the data, and that's what a scientist does is, is look at that. That's how I develop my macro strategy. So what happened for me was I began my career in investing or career, if you will, I began my investing journey, as I like to call it at 21 uh, in real estate. But before that I was trading in the stock market. So I was learning about these stock market trends, how to analyze companies and analyze the, the pricing trends as well. And the financial kind of moves in the stock market. And you can make a lot of money and you can also lose a lot of money in the stock market, depending on which side you're on. I decided that I would I was more interested in, in real estate that was stable. It was a little bit more controllable. And I wanted to, I needed a way to have capital to invest. So I went and I looked at different careers. And one of the things I was doing at the time was reading about, you know, what was fueling certain trends in, in the financial markets and the economy. And I started reading about demographics and the baby boomers were pushing the housing market. They were also pushing uh, financial markets and medical markets. I, be, I moved into the medical field and I've been in medical sales for over 15 years, but I moved into that space because of the demographic trends. And that same demographic trend that I followed, I followed into multifamily real estate. So you know, that, that love of, I guess, if you call it information um, that started when I was very young, just kind of feeling like, hey, I, I'm, I'm learning about something it was very powerful. Um, in my mind, it was very cool to learn about like a frog or, you know, the world and then learning about these trends that you can read about and then apply and ultimately use those to, to make better choices in your life. I love that. And there's so much in there to unpack that can just be applied to so many different situations, but the one that pops out in my head the most is so many people, and I was definitely in this box, put so much time and energy and effort into completing something. And then they realize they're not happy. And they say, but I can't leave it all behind, right? I've put all this effort into this. And I think what you just said really hits home that you never really leave anything behind. 
your engineering education was pivotal in being able to do what you do with real estate investing. Had you not had that, then you may not have the same insight that you have now in real estate investing. And so I think it's a really powerful story and something I really wanted to hit on that like all the education and experiences and knowledge that you gain doesn't just apply to that um, scenario in which you gained it. Like you can turn it into anything that you want. And I think your story really hits on that. Uh, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And I, that's kind of how I view things. Like you can't really look back and say, oh, I wish I did this. I wish I did that. When I was younger and I was racing, I wished I started younger because I'd look around and I'd say, well, that guy, he started two years before me and look at him. And then he'd get burned out. It's like, oh, well, maybe, maybe that's not the right way. And then you just say, you know what? My path is the right path and my past is the right past. And there's a lot of things that I, I wish maybe didn't happen, but I'm also grateful for those experiences and those things and, and where they've led me. Um, so you, people may say, well, like when I was, I was starting out, people are like, you have an MBA and an engineering degree and you're selling insurance. And they just couldn't square that. But I was trying to get sales experience and things stacked up and you know overlaid. And now with the, the real estate, what led me in the medical device space, like you said, you know, in that analytical sense, ultimately uh, led me into the multifamily space, which has been very successful over the past decade. I love it. So what is your favorite part about what you get to do now? What is it that just keeps you going in your career? So I, I, still, I still love picking a strategy and seeing it come to fruition and, and making money, you know, which is kind of, I see it less about the money than kind of like keeping score. It's like, okay, is this, was this a validated by the financial success? But what really drives me and motivates me, um, especially recently, is helping to teach the next generation about money, about finances, which is why we started the podcast, why I wrote the book. Um, I just started mentoring a couple young individuals. And I just think that there's so much power in the ability to educate the next generation when it comes to finances in this country. We do a, we do a pretty good job in educating in a lot of different ways, but I think if we if we educate the next generation on financial safety, security, you know, investing, all these things, it allows you to have more opportunities. It allows you to have better health. It allows you to have better access to education. Um, ultimately, you know, wealth creation, which affects the next generation. And, you know, for me, that's what really, really drives me. That's amazing. So you mentioned your podcast. Let's talk about your podcast for a minute. What is the name of your podcast? Yeah. So it's the next level income show. And it's available, I assume anywhere people listen to podcasts. Absolutely. All platforms. All right. And tell me a little bit of, I know that you mentioned why it was started, but tell me a little bit about what the goal is with the podcast moving forward. Yeah. So Amber, um, and for your audience, the next level income strategy is how to make, keep, and ultimately grow your money. So the podcast is there to help educate people that are looking to either either make more money. You know, you can listen to some of our guests, uh, like Craig Ballantyne, who was one of our first guests. He comes on and talks about um, how to organize your day to be more effective. Um, you can go on there and you can listen to, uh, we have um, strict, uh, like um, tax strategist who will help you how to keep more of your own money. Or you can learn about specific life insurance contracts, which help you to secure your money, which is another aspect of keep. And then we have guests on that also talk about the investment options. So whether you're 19 years old and you're trying to figure out what you want to do, you know, in college, in your career, or if you should go to college, um, we talk about, we, we have guests on that talk about that. 
if you are starting out and you're trying to figure out how to keep more of your money and really optimize your savings so that you can grow your capital so you can invest. We talk about that. And then ultimately, we also talk about how you can grow your money and be a more successful investor. So we try to give you the whole package uh, throughout our platform. That's awesome. And this is the reason that I asked this question, because there's so many people out there that would be thinking there's no reason for me to listen to an investment, real estate investment podcast, because I don't do real estate investing. But you just made it very clear that this is a lifestyle podcast and that talks about real estate investment, right? Like being able to keep your money, being able to manage your time. Those are things that we all need to know. And that's what I love about the podcasting world. And especially about events like this is I'm able to connect with people that I would have thought like, there's no reason for me to, to listen to that. And then you find out that it's just fear full of pure gold. So I would encourage people to head over and listen to that. Um, also your book, what was the motivation behind writing your book? Because I'm in the middle of writing a book and it's an awful experience. So um, what made you want to do that? Well, yeah. So I didn't really want to write a book. So I started off my, um, started syndicating uh, multifamily deals about five years ago, Amber. And that was really, that was really the focus. And then as I started talking to investors and, and, and word got out, people would reach out to me and say, Hey, I, I want to invest, but I'm not there yet. You know, what did you do to get to this point? So I'd, I'd have a conversation or I'd send an email. And then the next week I'd have the same conversation. I'd send the same type of email. I'd cut and paste. I'm like, what, like, why am I doing this? So I was talking to um, Caleb, who is our, our marketing strategist and uh, was my, my co-host as we started the podcast. He said, you should start a podcast. And like, basically I started cataloging blog entries because I figured I could just cut and paste that when somebody asked me this question. And I was like, yeah, I don't really want to start a podcast. And then I thought about it. I said, you know what, let's start a podcast, but let's not make it just about real estate investing. Let's make it so it applies to whether you're and Caleb, Caleb's a millennial. I said, whether you're a millennial or you're a Gen Xer like me, or you're going into retirement. So somebody that listens, no matter where they are on the spectrum, can get some value from it. So it really started as a way to curate knowledge and information for anybody along that end of the spectrum. And then as, I, as we started the podcast and we started talking about different things, Caleb said, well, you should write a book, you know, because you have these blogs and, you know, if you have a, if you have a, enough blog articles, you can just put it into a book. So I scratched my head, thought about it for a couple of weeks, thought, well, what if I just write the outline for a book and then I can write the blog articles for that? So I wrote the outline and I committed, again, I committed to the process, not the goal, Amber. And I said, okay, I'm going to get up and I, I get up at, at 5 a.m. every day and I typically work for about 90 minutes. And I said, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get up and the night before I'm going to look at what I'm going to the topic is, and I'm going to get up, I'm going to meditate. I'm going to write for, you know, somewhere between 60 minutes and 75 minutes. And two weeks later, the book was done. So wow. I sent it to Caleb and he said, you finished the book. And I said, well, it just kind of happened. Um, cause that, all this knowledge was in my head from, you know, almost 20 years of, of learning and this. So I'm, I'm sorry to hear you're not enjoying the, the process. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, yeah, I, uh, it, um, so it, it was enjoyable, but that being said, it took, it took another month, month and a half uh, to, to kind of add the data, to add the graphics, to edit it. Um, and that was just an ebook. And then that was two years ago. So we didn't publish the book until just um, 
uh, early spring or, or late winter, which it happened perfectly in time for the COVID crisis um, to occur because it allowed me to, to really kind of spend some time getting the message out there. Um, but it's been great because what I found is, it, you know, it was, it was kind of a tool to talk about the story and, and the lessons that I learned, Amber. What I also found is I sent the book to a lot of friends that I knew and they read it and they said, wow, I didn't know this about you. And what I realized was you don't, sit down with some of your closest colleagues or counterparts and say, Hey, let me tell you about the struggles I faced when I was, you know, five years old or 15 or 20 or 25. And, you know, a lot of people make assumptions and they say, Oh, you're lucky. Or, you know, your parents gave you this, or they taught you that. And nobody really knows what your true story is. So there's been a lot of value in that in helping uh, to bring my story to a lot of people that I may have never told it to. Yeah, that's super powerful. And I mean, so like book writing, it's, I'm enjoying the process. It's just more work than I thought it would be. Right. It's I'm a lot like, of work. It takes, like, yeah, it takes a lot of time. Yeah. Cause I'm like, I write all day for a living. How hard can this be? But there's yeah. a difference between writing for somebody else and putting your like deepest, darkest feelings down and trying to relate them and wondering what's going to happen when somebody reads that, right? Which is an amazing process that I think everybody should go through because, you know, we all have to get past that at some point in time. So your book and podcast can be found at nextlevelincome.com. Is that what you said? Absolutely. So nextlevelincome.com, you can click on the podcast link. We have a blog. So that has, um, you know, a bunch of different articles, people want to learn about that. And then the book, if this resonates with anybody, click on the book link, put your address in there and I'll send, send you a free copy. Amazing. Let's go ahead and switch gears just a little bit. I want to talk about success um, for just a minute, this elusive idea of success. I believe that every person has their own definition of success, whether they've really dug in and figured that out yet or not. So for you, what does success mean to you and how has that changed for you throughout your life? Yeah, I think as we touched upon earlier, it's it's definitely changed. And, you know, when I started off, you know, when I was younger, um, you know, maybe success was, you know, being a good friend or being popular. And then you realize that there's more to that. You want to be perhaps true to yourself. And then I came to cycling and I wanted to be a successful cyclist. And that took, you know, a lot of years and I set my sights on, you know, hitting a certain you know, level so I could be a professional cyclist. And then, as I said, I hit that and I wasn't really happy. So then I thought, okay. And then I turned to, you know, the, the, uh, financial success so I could have freedom. And then I hit that and I thought, well, you know, it's like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. As you go up and you achieve these different levels, you realize that it's really not the goal that makes you happy. It's the process, you know, along the way. And recently I I've, I've shifted more from financial to success to, to sharing knowledge and, and helping others. And what I've realized is that's where I really get, you know, satisfaction. And then as I look back through life, it was, you know, being part of a team that was successful in cycling that really made me happy. When I was sales rep with Medtronic for 10 years and I got to train new sales reps and I look back and it wasn't the big bonus checks I got that made me the happiest it was educating those new reps and the relationships I built. And then right now, you know, you, you get a good, you know, we just closed on a $50 million property here not too long ago. And it's, it was, it was a huge deal, especially this was in May in the middle of the COVID-19 crisis. And we still were able to close on time. 
and I was pretty happy about that, but I'm more happy having those conversations with new investors and sharing that. So again, I think, you know, it's my idea of success has definitely evolved, but it, it always comes back to, you know, the relationships and sharing the knowledge and really being some, being a part of something bigger than just, you know, you know, the, the medal on your neck or the award on the wall or, you know, the number in your bank account. Yeah. There's something really powerful that you said. And, you know, I talk to a lot of people about this topic and I don't know that there's a way to fix this cycle. I think that everybody has to go through it because if we went to somebody in high school and said, Hey, it's not about the end game. It's about the journey. They'd be like, shut up, old man. So um, <laughs> like, yeah. they wouldn't listen. Right. And so it's kind of something that we all have to figure out on our own time. Um, I wish there was some magic bullet that would allow us yeah. to fix that mindset early on. Um, but one of the things that I've noticed, and this I think appears in highly educated individuals, is that we kind of go into college and then later grad school with this idea that um, we're working towards an end game. And, you know, the learning's going to be done and life is going to be perfect when we graduate. And then we graduate and we start living our life and we're like, is this really my everyday? Um I want to learn more like this. The reason we make it through grad school is because we enjoy the process of learning. And I don't think that we actually honor that until we get out of grad school and realize that we don't either like the end game or we're not ready to be done yet. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. I mean, I've, I've experienced that and I'll never forget. I was sitting in a coffee shop with a, a very good friend of mine and watching our kids play and he turned to me and he's like, is this really what it's all about? You know, and it's, it's funny. You can't, and I think you're right. You kind of have to experience those different levels, those different stages in life to fully appreciate, you know, what really is important. And you can't tell people, Hey, don't, it's not about the goal. I think the lesson, Amber, and you know, I think you you're getting at this is it, even though it's not about the goal, or I'm sorry, even though it may not be about the goal, the goal is important because it takes you on that journey. But just try to enjoy the journey as you as you go through it in life. And a great example of that, there's this there's this road outside of Asheville, North Carolina, where I live, and it's along the river. And there's like kind of a group ride or a race ride. Uh, and it goes up and down that road a couple times a week. And I raced for several years um, while I was in Asheville, raced for almost 20 years combined. I probably rode up and down that road a hundred times. And one day after I'd quit racing, I looked up and I was like, wow. And I looked over at the river and I was like, wow. And I realized that I've been riding on that road for almost 10 years and I never realized how beautiful it was. So if you're listening to this and you're, you've set a goal for yourself and you know, whether you're early on or you're getting close to that goal, just remember it's okay to slow down a little bit, look around and enjoy what you're going through at the moment. Because even though you might have your sights on where you are going, where you are is just as important and perhaps even more enjoyable. Yeah. So, um, with that, no, I, that's like the perfect, the perfect statement. I, I love that so much. Um, and that leads directly into this next question, my follow-up to my success question, because what I've noticed as I've asked this 
question over and over again is that I ask about success and people talk about fulfillment. And they're two very Mm. different Mm. things that I don't think we always separate. So for you, I'm interested to know, are success and fulfillment related at all? Um, And is it a chicken and the egg situation? Which one comes first for you? Ooh, oh man, I... (laughs) I think you just kind of knocked me, knocked me for a loop there. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, and I think the reason it kind of, I kind of pause is because as I get older and we touched upon this, success and fulfillment are, are one and the same um, because I've, I've kind of experienced that. So I think that for me, success came first and I realized I was not fulfilled and I wasn't taking the time to be fulfilled along the way or implement actions or experiences that would allow me to be fulfilled. So now what I do, Amber, is I kind of blend um, my, my experience goals. So maybe I want to take a vacation with my family um, or I want to, like I'm going out to Montana for a guy's trip to mountain bike. Um, and a good example is every time we close a big property, what I do is I take my family on a trip and we typically go to the city where that property is. So last year we bought a property in Atlanta and I took my boys to the new Braves stadium and we spent a weekend down there and we went to the Braves game. So that success, I had set it up so that we got, we got to experience something that really gave me, you know, some fulfillment and, you know, it wasn't the money in the bank. It was the experience that kind of stuck in my head. So if you told me, if you asked me, Hey, how much money did you make on that deal? Or, um, you know, tell me about the process you went through. I I probably couldn't articulate it very well, but I can tell you about where we sat at the Braves game. And I can tell you, my boys have a baseball that they, you know, each caught one during the game. And, um, you know, I think I've learned to blend the two together. So they overlap and they ultimately, Uh, intertwine. And that's led to the fulfillment that follows up the success in my life. I love it. Um, And that's such a cool way to celebrate a business win to involve your family and go to that city as a trip. Like that's really awesome. And it has to be great memories for you and your family. It's, it's been great. Although it's been, we're on a little bit of a hiatus with the, uh, with the lack of travel that's been happening this year. So I, I owe my trip to Charlotte and uh, (laughs) we're close to our last deal. Yeah, it's been, um, this has definitely been the year to pivot for any businesses. Mm -hmm. COVID has, Mm -hmm. um, if anybody thought they had 2020 figured out, COVID has proved that we don't know anything. <laughs> so we're only halfway done. So <laughs> I know, right? And it doesn't seem like it's ending anytime soon. Um, so we talked about your right, your racing, and the way that that um, had a play in how you got to where you are now in your business success. Um, one of the things I don't think we hit on that I would love to dig into is the ups and downs that come with business and with training, the moments where um, you're like, man, that just wasn't my best performance, the awful um, feeling of failure that you have to get past. Um, How do you push past through that in your business? How do you, um, or what advice do you have to pick yourself up and keep moving forward when you feel like you've just given an awful performance in business or sports? Yeah. As you were asking the question, I was kind of replaying some of the some of the disappointments. Um, and I've, I've, you know, it's, I say, again, I I say this a lot, like I'm fortunate that I experienced some of these setbacks and, um, the negative things, but you really learn more 
from negative experiences than you do with success. So I think first and foremost, anyone listening know that your brain, when you have that feeling like you can't figure a problem out, you're, you're probably making new connections. And that's why I tell my boys when they're, you know, they kind of screw their face up and they're trying to figure something. I said, that, that is the feeling of learning boys. When you know, when you know something, you're not really learning that much. So when you fail in business, I've started to see it as a step into success. And, you know, I always talk about, you know, it's not how many times you get knocked down, but how many times you get up. Fortunately in cycling, you lose way more than you win. Like a successful cyclist might win 1% of the time. And that's, that's really good. So if you do 100 races in a year and you have one big win, that's pretty good. 5%, 10%, you're like a superstar in cycling. Whereas, you know, if you're Roger Federer, you know, you, you know that, that ratio may be flipped, you know, uh, inversely, right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, it's allowed me to realize that, okay, you lose a lot. You know, it's kind of on, on the way to this bigger success and do that. Um, but the other thing is I have made some mistakes, you know, on a personal level on a, with, uh, with teammates and business friends, you know, getting frustrated when there wasn't a result. And that's not really something you learn from. That's like a, that's like a wound. So, you know, I think that's, that's the other thing I've learned is that it's okay to fail and it's good because you can learn from it, but you can't let those failures end up tearing down the relationships you've built. And sometimes that's really hard. Sometimes it is, it is a casualty of the failure. It may, a business may, may dissolve because of a, you know, lack of success and do that. Um, but I've really tried to focus on maintaining the relationships through these processes and, you know, understanding that that's what really is going to be the bedrock that's you're going to continue to be able to build on. Such great advice. Um, and then before we move on and, and kind of start to wrap up, I'm a huge believer that comfort zones never go away. They just get bigger and that we all find ourselves playing small at some point in time. How do you know, like what, and for me, like it's a feeling, you know, you, I just, you just know, how do you know when you are not pushing yourself to your fullest? And then what resources do you use to kind of knock yourself out of that playing small state? Yeah. So I think, um, we're just as humans, we've evolved towards this. Like we have a really hard time thinking non-linearly and the world's non-linear, but we think linear. So we look at time, we look at progress. I mean, we, we've already made as much progress this century as we did last century. Like, think about that. Think about how much progress we're going to make through the rest of this century with technology, um, lifespans. Like we think, Oh, you know, people lived 80 years. Now it's going to be 82. Well, there's probably going to be some sort of technological leap that comes along and people's lifespan is going to go from 80 to 120. That's, that's not a linear leap. So I think first off, you know, understanding that is, is very helpful. Um, but I still think that way. And I'm, I'm going through that period right now. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm at this level, but I really, I know I can do so much more. So I have an executive coach I work with. It gives me that perspective. So you know, we, when we get together, they can say, okay, well, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? And they kind of push me in, in areas that push me against my comfort zone. I was working with him last week and we went to a really, really interesting space, which was definitely uh, not comfortable, but it allowed me to kind of um, work through some emotions and feelings and see 
kind of through into that next area and where I should be directing my energy, you know, versus just staying in that rut that I, I may be in. Um, that might be working very well, but that's not going to allow you to punch through, uh, like what I think you articulated so well, that comfort zone that, you know, is now at a different level than it used to be, but not where it should be for the future. Yeah. And the reason I like that answer so much is because people who are just starting out in business or anything, or even if you've been in business for a long time and you're switching businesses. And so you're looking at somebody else, we see the end game of people. We see that the finished product of the people that we want to be like, and we forget that in order to get there, they had to go through all of these struggles. And so when we don't play to their level, we start to think maybe this isn't for me and it's human nature to do that. And so I love pointing out the stories that, that highlight, you know, the struggle of getting up to that point because that gap between beginning and, and what we see doesn't get bridged enough. No. And I think, you know, you hear this, this saying like, Oh, overnight success that took 20 years, you know, <laughs> things like that. And it's, yep. you know, it's true. A lot of, a lot of times we see people and they say, Oh my gosh, they came out of nowhere, but they've been building and building and building like Warren Buffett, you know, wasn't until he was in his fifties before he was successful, for instance. Um, and there's, I mean, there's cases of that everywhere. You know, we, we tend to glorify, you know, the, you know, some of the luck, like the entrepreneurs, you know, um, Amber, where it's like, oh, great. We don't talk about the thousand failures for every, you know, Mark Zuckerberg or Elon Musk or all their failures, for instance. So it's just, there's a lot, there's a lot of missteps and falling and getting up along the way. But what I would encourage anybody that's going through that process to, to think about is those experiences are compounding into knowledge so that at some point you will be able to use all that to reach or step up to a level that you wouldn't have been able to if you hadn't gone through that. And somebody will look at you in, in, at some point in the future and say, <laughs> look at, oh, wow, they just came out of nowhere. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so before we move into my favorite part, the, the random round where I get to ask you all kinds of amazing questions, um, where can people connect with you if they want to follow up from this interview? Yeah, so we've hit it a couple times. The easiest thing to do is just to go on our website, nextlevelincome.com, nextlevelincome.com. Uh, we talked about the book. Click on the book link, the podcast, the podcast link. Um, if you're interested, uh, if you're an investor, you're interested in learning about what we do, you can click on the invest link and learn about our Next Level Income Investor Club as well. Awesome. All right. So quick little random round before we wrap up. Um, let's start with time travel. If you could time travel mm-hmm. anywhere, where would you go and why? I would definitely go into the future. Um, I would have to think about that because I, I may not want to go too far into the future where the earth isn't here. Um, <laughs> but I would probably go about 100 years into the future to look at the technologies. Um, I'm, really, I'm really into uh, health and longevity. And you know, I'd like to see kind of where the next 50 to 100 years takes takes us so that I can make the best choices today and then potentially, you know, hit that point where I live forever. The true answer of a strategist for sure. (laughs) (laughs) If you could do any profession other than what you do now, skill, talent, money isn't an issue. What would it be? Professional cyclist comes to mind because that was one of the goals that I had that I just never, you know, never achieved. But I think I would be an actor Okay. I think I would be an actor. I look at I look at somebody like Tom Cruise, and this guy's in his fifties. He's doing his own stunts. You know, idiosyncrasy 
idiosyncrasies aside, I think that, you know, you look at what, you know, what successful actors get to do and experience and achieve. It's almost like they get to live and experience different lives and, and have, you know, that richness of experience is just, is just tremendous. I hope I wouldn't be in the little Hollywood bubble and think I was, uh, you know, the most important in the world when I got there. <laughs> but, uh, I think, I think I'd be an actor. Awesome. Content. Do you like reading books, listening to books or listening to podcasts? All of the above. So I, I just, I devour content. Um, every day, um, I listen to Audible books, and typically when I buy a book, if if it's available, I get the Audible book as well. It's a really cool feature on Amazon now. You can buy them, and it'll link your Kindle and your Audible, oh, so wow. I can read at night and I can listen in the car. Um, I read pretty quickly. I took a speed reading course in college, um, but I listen at one point five x. Uh, to Audible and and podcasts, but that's not. I, I can still read faster, um, but I really enjoy listening to audio audio books as well. Love it. Um, and as far as a book for the listeners that you think would level up their life in one way or another, what would you recommend? Yeah, so I just finished um, a really cool book. It's called Lifespan, and I'm looking up. Uh, the author is David Sinclair. He touches on. So I, I set a goal to live to see uh, the year. 2100. So lived to at least be 122 years old. Um, but David Sinclair talks about the fact uh, that aging is a disease. It's not something that necessarily has to happen. So I encourage anybody listening to check that book out lifespan. Um, Cause if you change the way you perceive your, you know, your ability to live um, I think that'll change your daily habits as well. That's so interesting. I'll have to check it out because mindset is everything and the power of our brain okay. is unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's do superpowers. What do you think the superpower is that's gotten you to where you are today? Well, my wife tells me that I'm kind of weird because the worst things get the calmer I get. And maybe it's, you know, my, my childhood. Um, and maybe that's what helped me, you know, in the OR when kind of the, the, you know, what was hitting the fan, you know, I was able to maintain a level head, um, probably in cycling. Like I felt like I could feel the race. And when things were going crazy, I kind of knew, knew what to do. So, um, well, I'd love to say I could fly or something, something like that. Uh, I think, you know, the worst things get kind of, I have this inverse relationship and I just, I'm able to kind of get calmer and calmer. I would rather have that superpower than the ability to fly. Like that's pretty freaking amazing. Um, and then the last question, because anybody who listens to this podcast or knows me at all knows that I am a complete music nerd. So I need to know what your pump up song is. What is that song that you put on right now that you just can't have a bad day? Uh, so this is going to sound like really lame, but my, <laughs> my sons have gotten into the Fast and Furious movies and we watch Fast and Furious 7 and there's a song called Next Level, which I, I get it, like Next Level Income, <laughs> but it is, it is, it's a great song. So I'm, I've been into that song probably for about six months now and I'll, I'll turn it on um, in the car or kind of when I'm getting ready for a workout and it, it gets me going. There's another, there's an, there's another song, but it's, it's not very very PC. Um, and, uh, this podcast I, I think is it's not called, PC. <laughs> okay. It's called blessed. I think it's okay. with Tiga maybe blessed, but I can't, I can't quote the song, but that's, that's pretty damn good too. 
All right, I'll have to check it out. You know, this is something I don't tell people until they answer this question, but I have a playlist um, called the More Than Corporate Playlist where everybody's pump-up oh, nice. song from the podcast has gone into that. Um, and so it's just a list of pump-up songs from everybody in my, get, in my guest list. And when I can't wait to I, listen to it. Yeah, I'll send it to you. And when I tell people that, they're like, hold on, let me change my answer. And I'm like, yeah. this is why <laughs> I don't tell you this until it's done. Um, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on today. Again, nextlevelincome.com is where you can connect with Chris. He has just a fantastic story. He has so many different life lessons that come through everything that he's been in and then his business and his book and his podcast. And I would highly recommend connecting with him. Chris, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Amber, I thank you as well. I love what you're doing for your audience. And uh, it's been a real pleasure talking to you today. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the show. I hope that something that was said resonated with you or provided value to you in one way or another. I'd love to hear more about your thoughts on the show. You can reach out to me on Facebook or Instagram at Amber Furman. Also, I've created a Facebook community for followers of the show to interact with me and other members of the community. You can find that on Facebook at More Than Corporate. So go ahead and join that group if you'd like to stay up to date on podcast happenings and meet some really cool people. Again, thanks so much for tuning in.